everyone. In this episode of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley, we're going to talk about a type of firearm that I feel like we probably should have talked about before, but we haven't yet. So get ready, buckle up, the Winchester Model 1897. Yeah. I feel like that's what like people do in the club. I mean, maybe. I don't really know. Um, Camila, is that what people do in the club? As a resident club expert. What? The pew pew pew. I mean, that's like kind of like a one of those clubby sounds, I guess. But I don't know. I'm not a resident of the club. You're not a resident of Duck Club? No. No. <laughs> no. But anyways, we're going to talk about the Winchester Model 1897. Why, Danny? Uh, because we decided to talk about slide actions. And like, why weren't they a thing sooner? Yeah, so this was actually something that Danny and I talked about before this call, aka the only prep that we did for this episode. But it's kind of interesting because the Winchester Model 1897 is um, a slide action shotgun, uh, also known as a pump action shotgun for some One people. of the first things you ever corrected me on when I started, when I, yeah, when I started working here. I've got some weird things, um, but it's certainly not the first slide action. But what we kind of thought was kind of funny was the fact that the slide action really comes about after semi-automatic and automatic technologies are invented. They're like, let's regress and make this new type of rifle and shotgun. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's a manual action, and we think of like, all right, everybody invented all the manual actions before we got to semi-automatic and automatic. Um, but really, slide action came after that because the, the slide action stuff starts to emerge in the 1880s with the Christopher Spencer patent. Uh, there's technically the earlier English Curtis patent. I think we brought up in probably when we talked about the Bannerman lawsuit. But that Bannerman or the Curtis gun never became a real thing until the 1890s when Winchester made one. When was the the French one? The French one is like it's pretty late. It's like contemporary, I think, with the, um, with. Was it? I want to say it's contemporary with the. It's like eighteen eighties, I think. Oh, I thought for some reason like sixties or fifties was in my uh, brain. But regardless, someone's going to point out a patent that existed prior to what we just said to prove that we're wrong. But if you think about it, even if it's not like after the semi-automatic automatic, it's around the same time, and it's a manual manually operated firearm. And the eighteen ninety seven has kind of interesting history for a lot of different reasons. Uh, one being the fact that it exists specifically. Well, not maybe not specifically and only because of, but as a result of a product recall from Winchester for their 1893, which was based on a John Moses Browning design that blew up. Yeah, 1893 sometimes. was the original version, and it had a problem with exploding in people's faces, and it wasn't... Which, by the way, yes. is bad. We will go on record as anti-exploding things in your face. Marley thinks it's bad too. Um, yeah, so the gun, it's most of the stuff, when you look up like 1893s on the internet, the internet will tell you that um, that they blew up because of the switch between smokeless and black powder. But from what we can tell in the archives, it seems the problem was more likely 
early primers weren't that great and they would hang fire a lot and the locking system on the 93 would let you pull the trigger start to detonate the primer you'd start to un unlock the slide in the gun and then the cartridge would detonate um, causing an out of battery and we actually have an example in the collection of a gun that that happened to and documentation about the person and like the ammunition he was shooting it, the gun blew up on him with black powder ammunition um so it so the history of the 1897 started with a bang uh -huh. <laughs> and it, it actually had the 1893 even had a bit of a trouble start because Winchester Browning wanted to do a slide action, but Winchester wanted a lever action shotgun first. And so they did the 1887 and some of Browning's slide action prototypes actually predate the 87 lever action shotgun. So even Browning, even though his product didn't turn into a slide action shotgun until the 1890s, I think we can safely say the 1880s are like the decade where slide action shotguns become an idea. Yeah. And Winchester finally maybe realizes, okay, it's okay if we have a something other than a right, lever gun on the civilian Which they had already made bolt so, actions by that point, so I don't know why they got so hung up on it. Like They just didn't get along with Browning eventually. This was like the beginning of the breakup. This was the first fight. Was this the beginning of officially the beginning of the breakup? And so so yeah, so the whole thing kind of starts with like the lever action and that Joe's John Moses Browning was really interested in doing a slight action. And they ultimately, I mean, it's not too long after the lever action shotgun of eighteen eighty seven comes out that they do the eighteen ninety rifle, mm -hmm. slight action rifle, and then they move into the 93 shotgun and then it ultimately into the 97. And it, am I correct, Danny, or is it apocryphal history that like if you turned in your 93, you got a 97? Yeah. So the history, like we say product recall, because that's sort of the closest modern thing we can um, kind of compare it to, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the consumer like some consumer protection agency was out there making Winchester. It was more like if you send us in your gun, we'll send you a new one. And it was, it was pretty voluntary. And um, yeah, so that was the deal. You send in your 93 and they would send you back a 97. And the 97 became incredibly popular. You know, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Cause like, I feel like, if you're not a Winchester expert, but someone that likes Winchesters knows a little bit about gun history. I feel like the 93 kind of got lost. Um, you know, and overshadowed to the, you know, in, in comparison to the 97, it's probably because all the 93s are sitting in our collection because people were like, Ooh, new shiny. And I don't want this going to blow up in my face. Right. Yeah. We have, we have a ton of 93s in the collection. It's at least two dozen, I think it's a bunch. So at least two dozen people took Winchester. At least two dozen. Um, <laughs> plus that one guy that had his blow up and, um, yeah, and then the the ninety seven goes on to sell like over a million guns relatively quickly. Nineteen um, fifties. Well, okay, maybe not. It wasn't as popular as like the ninety four, but it sold over a million, which was a pretty big milestone for Winchester still then. Um, yeah, because I think our our one million um, our one millionth ninety seven that was given to John Olin's like nineteen fifty six or something. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't as quick as I if thought. If you even want to call that Winchester. Ooh, shot at Olin. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's uh, like spawns a whole, oh, go ahead. well, it, it doesn't, it's not the gun that necessarily spawns the genre. Cause there are these things that predate it, but it is what makes the slide action shotgun. It, it's like what popularizes, like it makes it mainstream. 
And then there's, you know, Remington and Stevens and others, they have their competitors. And then of course, Winchester does the model 12. Um, so there's Danny, do you want to talk about Bannerman? I thought, do we do an episode on Bannerman? I can't remember. We've talked about Bannerman a lot, but just for in case, like do the 60 second Bannerman history so that it's not ignored in the 97 episode. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. We have to at least like give the recap. Okay. So Winchester introduces the 1890, the rifle, the 22 caliber, and the 1893, both side action firearms. Bannerman, Francis Bannerman's sons, major wholesaler of firearms and surplus goods, has bought the Christopher Spencer slide action shotgun patent and started making and selling a shotgun under that patent. They got to it a little bit before Winchester, so they sue Winchester saying, we had slide actions first, you can't sell yours. Winchester then proceeds to go around the world to find every patent they can that predates the Spencer patent, which they find some in France and England, bring it back over. They rebuild the uh, samples that they couldn't get their hands on. I think they got a gun in France and a patent. And in England, they just got patents and they built the guns. Take it to court, demonstrate the guns in front of a judge. TC Johnson's like, let me shoot it, judge. And judge is like, we're in a courtroom, dude, chill. And uh, eventually they prove that Bannerman should not have been granted the patent and um, both companies can sell their products, you know, um, sort of at will. Then immediately after that, 93 start blowing up on people or sort of as this was ongoing. And then Winchester does the voluntary recall. Boom. I think that was about a minute. Good job. Also, is well, I think it's time for Danny's that... conspiracy corner. Oh, are we ready? For I don't know that? if anybody you don't have one. You've never done a conspiracy corner before. Okay, well, it's a he's got a corner. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I just, I'm just saying this is going to be a new thing. Yeah, new segment. But I'm intrigued. Oh, we could conspiracy corner up the wazoo. I mean, we've talked about Hiram Stevens. Right, we've talked about our favorite That's a conspiracy. Um, is it Canelo or Cantel? so Danny's conspiracy right. corner? So go for it, Danny. Let's hear it. Alrighty. So this is where my conspiracy theory starts. Winchester, at some point in the late 1880s or early 1890s bought out the Burgess Gun Company. We know this. At some point, Winchester got the Curtis patent for a slide action firearm from England. The Curtis patent dates to 1866 and they got it for this lawsuit. I don't know exactly when they have it. So this is what this conspiracy theory hinges on. When they got the Burgess collection, I think Winchester also got a weird Burgess prototype that was vaguely gas operated. It's like got this brass jacket on the side. It doesn't really work, but it's like the theory of gas operation. So there's that piece. In the Curtis patent, he describes a slide action firearm and he says, this could be adapted to use the gases from each shot to work the slide. And he describes that in 1866 when he writes the patent. So Browning working at Winchester on his 1893, Winchester brings in these two separate things that describe gas operation. And then all of a sudden, John Moses Browning and William Mason, by the way, who was just a little bit after Browning, both have a light bulb idea to invent gas operated firearms. Conspiracy, they found it from those patents and not shooting bullets at bushes or whatever the Browning theory is. Or it sounds like the same thing that Sam, the Sam Cole didn't see a revolver. Right. Before Sam Cole's like, I didn't he... see no revolvers anywhere. And he definitely, definitely did. What are you talking about? I whittled that. 
little prototype. Um, so anyways, back to the 1897. You're just totally ignoring my conspiracy theory. That Camila, what do you think? It's interesting. I'm not ignoring it. I just have heard it. I just, I, I've never heard of it before. Depending on the timing, there's, it's totally plausible that John Moses Browning pulled gas operation off this Joseph Curtis guy from England in the 1860s. But isn't that like, I feel like you've said things like this before about Brown, like John, the Browning guy that he's done a lot of weird things like that. Or am I just putting all these guys together? Danny basically hates John Moses Browning. Not even true. Me on that. You can quote, he's like, that Browning guy's not a big deal. I just think it's, end quote. What's the thing like, can, what like people always say is like, I just think it's interesting. No, I, I, I do find it fascinating. And, and you know how I feel about the fact that I, I, I acknowledge that John Wilson's Browning was a big deal and that he was super brilliant and kind of awesome and, you know, not super Mormon. Uh, but I, I also like agree that there were other really good designers at the time and that people are influenced. I mean, we've talked about that with the Togalock designs, uh, that are inside, um, Winchester's collection and everything. So yeah, I think we should do an entire episode on conspiracy. Okay. Anyways, we move on now. Segment over. Okay. Also, as an aside, Camila, I was shifting my weight while Danny was talking and my foot made fart noises. So if that is on the microphone, it was my foot. It was my foot. Okay. I just want to make sure that I was on the record. (laughs) But anyways, the other really interesting thing about the 1897 that I think is the fact that it's such a versatile firearm. You know, it's used on the civilian market. It's used in the military. Maybe not as much as people say. Um, It's used as a riot gun. I mean, what else? I'm I'm sure like it was on the other side of the law during, you know, it's used as like a riot and police gun. I'm also sure like i don't have any hard evidence but i'm sure it was out there guarding a few stills during prohibition too so like by itself yeah, it's it was just, just it's like, run and shine all by it itself like, it's versatile <laughs> <laughs> but it is cool i mean because you look at the shot like you look at shotguns and sometimes i don't know maybe this is just me and i'm gonna say something incredibly controversial and to you shotgunners out there i'm sorry but sometimes i find shotguns boring Ooh, that was her not me yeah i i said it Sometimes they're boring, not blunderbusses, because they hilarious. But, I, gosh, I'm digging a, digging a hole. I said shotguns are boring and blunderbusses are I'm hilarious. Just you keep digging. I don't know. Okay, um, but you know, sometimes like you don't often hear a lot of shotgun history throughout firearms history. I mean, am I wrong? No, I, I get what you're saying. Like it is, it does sort of. It's not really the primary thing. Like people will pick a brand they're really interested in, or maybe they'll pick a time period, or like they're interested in a certain military conflict. And like shotgunning, it's always sort of around, but it's never the primary thing. It, yeah, I mean, because it's not overly used in the military, and you know, I feel like sometimes if it doesn't have the arc of the military or some crazy feature to it, you know, it, it doesn't get discussed. And so the '97 kind of trumps that. <laughs> See what I did there, Camila? I do. That's I, you don't need to point that out to me. Yes, <laughs> but you know, Danny Shake is ahead of me. I don't know. Whatever. Retirement Ashley's on a roll, but this one kind of does you know come to the forefront in, in history because you get all these different configurations, and then there's the story that you know they were used during the World War One, and then Danny has blown that story to smithereens. Uh, Nami, I. 
Well, but you did know the like, on our the podcast. Research. That's all. Yes. Well, so do I. But, you know, let's name drop some more. Yeah. But on the podcast, you said, you know, you were the one that brought right, it right. up. Um, in one of our previous episodes about a guy at the gun shop told me, um, you know, but it was still used, you know, for some military right. purposes and the, and the riot shotguns always find are fascinating to me. And then the, the use of a shotgun as a tool and a breaching device, I always find really, really interesting, which is still used by today's military. And the point of clarification to was it used or not by the military is really just a question of what happened in world war one. Like it's definitely used by the military later. It's just, did it make it overseas enough to see heavy use? Like everybody always says um, about the Germans complaining and all of that stuff for World War One. It definitely shows up in World War II, um, but in World War One, uh, probably not as many show up as a lot of people have said over the years. And and not in the ways that people right think yeah probably a lot more use as to look guard like POWs than more than anything. Um. So. And- we're about 15 minutes into this, Danny. So is it I think time? it's time. We, you just, and I think the 97 as a very versatile shotgun is a great lead in because as you said, it's used law enforcement. It's used for sport shooting. It's used in military purposes, used on the wrong side of the law as well. And we assume, we assume <laughs> we're just making that up. Like we don't know for sure, but like, there were a lot of them, so maybe. Um, it's a popular firearm during Prohibition. It's going to end up on both sides. That's just people use what they had. Um, yeah, especially with all the shorter configurations. So Not that people couldn't just short them. So, so a few years ago, the ATF changed the definition of a machine gun to move from one single trigger pull because a machine gun is basically you pull the trigger once and it fires until you it runs out of ammunition, right. jams, um, or you take your finger off the trigger. To a single function of the trigger in order to allegedly include bump stocks, even though bump stocks are still one are, – are, are not one function of the trigger. They still press the trigger every time just faster. But – that was under the principle of what the ATF was defining. Well, the 1897 is capable of slam fire. So therefore, Danny, is an 1897 a machine gun? And for our listeners that don't know slam fire, what you can do with a 97, and it's debated if this is a feature or a bug, is essentially holding the trigger and then every time you rack the slide, the gun will drop the hammer again as long as the trigger's back. So that is a single trigger so function you have pulled the trigger. and a single trigger pull by the old definition of the yeah. ATF. So by, if you were being, I think, really letter of the law definition of what the ATF said, although I, I don't know, it might've been a, I don't know if the trigger pull thing is from like one of their letters or an actual legislative thing. But anyways, um, yeah, you pull the trigger once and then you work the slide. You work an entirely different part to keep the gun firing. So. And the other part of the ATF you know, ruling is the automatic capability of it. So obviously the manual motion of moving the slide, you know, it, you would think would you know, then negate its right. role as a machine gun. However, the bump stock, in order for it to operate, still needs forward pressure in order to get the bump stock to work. So there's a manual component to the bump stock as well. And every time you you know the gun fires your finger is moving back and forth 
Whereas this one has a manual component and your finger only functions. Yeah. Once. Like you really by either definition, if there's a caveat about automatic, maybe that's what like prevents it. Um, but we're talking about the same organization that ruled a shoelace, a machine gun for a few years. So, well, and if they are saying that bump stock falls under that, that, you know, the way that they rephrased it, then there's a manual operation of the bump stock that they're forgetting about that could technically fall under the 1897. And I can say this because it's, you know, public, it's on the Fire Policy Coalition site. I do, I'm a little biased in this as I have written a declaration in support of the motion for summary judgment for, uh, against the ATF on the bump stock case. Um, you know, and for me, it's not the conclusion whether or not in 1897 is or is not a machine gun by the same wording. It's the fact that it's a slippery slope to change wording because there are things that people may or may not be aware of that operate similar to that, that then um, in, as an accident, an unintended consequence, criminalize uh, collectors and a ton of people that own 1897 shotguns if they were to rule that that falls under that as well. And I don't Again, believe- Some of which would be antique fire, like antiques and not fire. Like the first year of production. Well, and all the 1893s. But technically, but technically, um, uh, if it's a machine gun, then it's always a machine gun. The 1898 doesn't count, but it would still be before the 1898 cut cut off. Yeah. However, however, it is it's a slippery slope, and if you are changing legislation for those purposes, or not legislation, but if you're changing terminology, you have to be really careful because um, there are other terms that and other types of firearms that may be affected by it that then you know affect museums individuals um and there are things that may not necessarily have been used in crime a ton and since i argued the contrarian point in the gatling gun episode i should probably make clear that neither of us think that the 1897 or 1893 or any of the other slide action shotguns that can slam fire are machine guns no. like they just aren't it's just They're by the current definition it's a gray action. area that they have to be aware of when making yes. changes given the current wording it is a oddly close thing like the gun itself like the way it's worded now and the way it's been worded a, a few different times since they've based so much around the trigger of a gun being what defines a machine gun a gun like a 97 suddenly gets really, really close to the line, like weirdly so, which I don't think you you could interview 100 people and show them a 1897 and not one of them would tell you it's a machine gun. Yeah, and it comes closer to the definition currently than a bump stock. Yeah, and it, it, it comes closer to definition than a lot of guns, honestly, like a ton of things. So is it or is it not? We leave for you, the listener, to decide. Even though we told you. It's not. It's not. <laughs> All right. Well, so, I think that was yeah. That's that's it. There's nothing else to say. It's all been said. There is no other thing in history to talk nothing. about. Nothing. 1997s ever again. Bye. Okay. Bye.